If you will open your Bibles to John chapter 1, uh, we're going to spend our time tonight in verses 1 through 5. Um, you might also have your finger in Genesis 1 and 2, uh, although it's pretty easy to find it it's right at the beginning. So, um, yeah, maybe you don't have to put anything there. <laughs> um, so when we start to think about Jesus, we have to ask ourselves a question. Who is this man? Who is Jesus? Because, you see, when we think about great men throughout the history of the world, uh, or men that have done things that have actually had an impact on history, um, there's some significant differences in other people and the impact that Jesus has had. You see, so we think about guys like um, Hitler and Alexander the Great and Napoleon, Socrates, You know, all of us know those names, and we may even know some general things about what they did and the impact that they had on the world, whether that was for good or bad. Um, But here's the thing. They all died, and the impact that they had died out with them, didn't it? But see, Jesus is completely different, isn't he? Because when Jesus died on a Roman cross 2,000 years ago, a little less than that, but when he died, the impact that he was going to have on the history of the world had only begun. You see, when all these great conquerors, some of those that I mentioned, that's what they did, was they were conquerors, they were warriors, they conquered lands and they built kingdoms. But here's the thing, those kingdoms crumbled when they died. And see, Jesus died, and through his death, he built a kingdom that will never end. You see, so we've got to consider who is this man, because he's completely different than every other man that we've ever heard of or seen. He's completely different than anything we've ever considered. And there's a lot of wrong perceptions out there about Jesus. You know, there's lots of people who... You know, they notice that Jesus has had an impact on history, and so they think, okay, you know, they acknowledge we've got to do something with this guy. And that's a good thing to recognize that, because let me just encourage us, there's not one of us who can't do something with Jesus. And even some secular scholars have realized that. So, you know, come around Christmas time, Easter time, you'll start seeing all these different Uh, productions put on television about what they think really happened and what went down and why that transpired and why now we've got millions of people claiming to follow this man as a risen Lord throughout the entire world. You see, Jesus' impact has transcended history. It's transcended cultures and peoples and languages. And everyone knows we've got to do something with Jesus. We've got to understand him. So tonight we're going to look at what his best friend says about him. John the Apostle, not John the Baptist. John's going to mention John the Baptist later in the chapter. We're not going to get to that portion tonight. Uh, But just saying that this is John the Apostle we're talking about. He's writing about Jesus. And he's going to tell us who his best friend is. Um, So we get a picture into who Jesus was tonight from his best friend. And so I don't think there's anyone more qualified to speak about 
who someone really was than the person that was closest to them, right? I mean, isn't that who you would want to represent you? Wouldn't you want your spouse, or if you don't have a spouse, your very closest friend to be the one that says, no, this is what defines this person. This is who they were. This is what they sought to do, and this is why they were important. And so tonight we're going to hear from John, Jesus' best friend, about who this man is. And let's not, let's not start doing that without reading what John's explicit purpose is for this book that he's written. There's 21 chapters here in John's Gospel, and they're all centered around what you see in, verses, in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. He says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So John's biased from the start, right? And he tells us exactly what he's about. And he says this throughout his gospel, not just at the end, but that's a clear spot to go to to see what his purpose is for writing. And so when we read John 1, we've got to read saying, okay, John, his best friend is saying, listen, you have to believe in my best friend because he's the only way that you're going to have life. And so as we go to John 1, let's read these words from Jesus' best friend. And then we'll break them down a little bit. John says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Those are some pretty deep words, aren't they? You see, John likes to do this thing where he just throws some theology at you, some terms that you kind of have to think through about who Jesus is. And so that's why we're not going through 18 verses tonight, through the whole you know, prologue is what people call this section of, of the Bible prologue to John's gospel. And so we're only going through five verses because John throws so much at us about who his best friend is. And so let's break these down. But as we start out here, here's the main point. So in one sentence, if you're a note taker, here's what it is. Jesus is the eternal reason and purpose for all things. As the ultimate revelation of God the creator to bring victorious life and light to men living in a dark world. So I realize there's a lot packed into that sentence too because it's based on what John just said and like what John just said is like, wow, I don't even know how to start. (laughs) And so we're going to break it down into six shorter statements here that I, I hope can help us start to understand what John's saying about this man. So the first is that Jesus is eternal. So look at verses 1 and 2. It says, In the beginning was the Word. 
And so John immediately, as he starts to tell you about his best friend, Jesus, is saying, in the beginning. And where do we first hear those words? But Genesis chapter 1. So the very beginning of the Bible, he's saying, listen, you've got to go back. Because the story didn't just start here. And it didn't just start with his birth. It started at the beginning of time. This Jesus that we're talking about, his impact on history didn't begin when he walked the earth as a man. He's eternal. His impact started when God spoke and the heavens and the earth were created. So there is something vitally different about this man, isn't there? Because right from the get-go, John says, listen, he's unlike any other. Because he had no beginning. See, when you begin to describe someone being at the beginning, it starts to boggle your mind because you're like, well, how? And Jesus was there because the beginning came from him. So Jesus is eternal. Secondly, Jesus is the reason and purpose for all things. So we're still in verses 1 and 2 here. Uh, And look at this word that John uses to to name who Jesus is. He says, the word. So he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So this, this word for word in John's gospel is actually the Greek term logos. And logos, I mean, what John does here with this one word is incredible. I had no idea that you could pack so much meaning into one word. And that's another reason we can't go much farther in John's gospel tonight, because he's saying so much with one single word. And so he's speaking to two audiences here. On this hand, he's speaking to the Greeks. And the Greeks were philosophers, right? So they like to think about Okay, ultimate questions. Why are we here? What's the purpose for this? What is life and how do we live it? You know, maybe you can think back to your uh, college philosophy class. I know that um, my first philosophy class at a community college in St. Louis was quite the experience, you know, because you've got people just arguing for an hour about the ultimate questions of life, right? So, like, I remember, like, just trying to raise my hand and propose an answer to something that the teacher had asked. And this atheist girl sitting in the opposite corner, like, she could not let me speak without saying something in return because she was not having it. (laughs) So these, you know, men have been thinking about the ultimate questions of life since the very beginning. And they've been trying to explain why are we here, what's the purpose of this whole thing, And we're still trying to figure it out. Uh, At least some people are. You see, John's going to tell us that... See, the Greeks had this idea of logos, and that meant to them the eternal reason and purpose for everything. And so John, knowing that he's writing in the Greek language, and that... Gentiles, so people who are not of the Jewish faith, we're going to be reading his document, chooses this word to describe who Jesus is. And there's no way that a Greek person could read these words and not think, 
He's talking about the Logos. He's talking about the reason for everything. And so John is saying something radical here. He's saying that Jesus is the reason and purpose for all things. So John's saying, listen, I know we've been talking about these philosophical questions for a long time now, and many men are going to continue talking about them long after us. But the search is over. Because in the beginning was the word. And then so he's talking to the Jews too, right? Because John's a Jew and he's, he's not going to leave the boys out, right? He's going to give them something here about, okay, who was this man Jesus? Because um, a lot of them were still skeptical, right? And they saw persecution happening to the people who were following this man. So they're like, man, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> And so to the Jews, he's saying, listen, you remember the word of God throughout all of our scriptures? Do you remember what God did with his word? How in the beginning he spoke and things came to be? And how with his word, he revealed himself to us constantly. You know, through the prophets, he'll say, and the word of the Lord came to me, right? That's what Jeremiah said. Isaiah will say it. Ezekiel will say it. A lot of them will say this. And notice how um, often when the Old Testament talks talks about the word of the Lord, it almost talks about this word as if it might be a person. You know, it certainly, to Jewish readers, it would have seemed like, okay, so the word of the Lord, this is the message from God, right? But, um... It was more than that. Because the word of the Lord did things like he, he came to people. And you'll find in things like the Aramaic Targums, the, they were paraphrases by Jewish people of the Old Testament scriptures. And so you'll find in there that they saw this word of the Lord as kind of this personic figure that not only was involved in creation... And the revealing of God to people. But you'll see in things like the Exodus that they claimed that the word of the Lord was responsible for saving the people from their captors. And so the word of the Lord does things like he creates. And he reveals God. And he saves. So John's saying, listen, the word of God, he's a person. And his name's Jesus. And then we say that Jesus is the creator. So we've hit this a little bit already, so I won't spend much time here, but John points us back to in the beginning where God created all things, right? And then he's using this terminology not just to point us back, but to point us forward. So, or rather, to look at what Jesus is actually doing when he spent his time here on the earth. So, saying that Jesus is the creator, we need to think about something more than just the creation of the heavens and the earth, which certainly he was involved there and John is saying that. But there's also this thing the Bible talks about called the new creation and the new man, the new humanity. 
and all the gospel writers present Jesus as the beginning of this new creation, this new humanity, where God said, listen, you guys really messed this thing up. But that doesn't matter because I'm here to make it new. And so Jesus, at his death, you see darkness come. And there's this imagery of an of a old creation dying, of an old world passing away. And then you see his resurrection from the grave. And you see a new man created. And then so you and I will be in Jesus, in the new man, made into a new humanity to live in a new, redeemed restored world where there's none of this conflict going on in Syria and there's none of this suffering that we see throughout the world anymore because Jesus does away with it because he's the creator and what he creates is good and so then going on to verse 4 Jesus brings life and light to men John says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We've got to understand what kind of life John's talking about. So we talked about how, you know, men throughout history have tried to consider the ultimate questions. What is life about? What is life? Why are we here? And then John uses this word life, right? And he's not just talking about a biological, physical reality. He's talking about something more than that. He's talking about a spiritual fullness of life that's not possible apart from his best friend, the one that he's talking to us about. And so he says, in him was life, not just physical life, but spiritual life as well. Fullness of life, it was in this man, Jesus. And that life was the light of men. So it's like, you know how sometimes, well, not sometimes, but hopefully all the time, there's a lighthouse, you know, on the coast to show ships where to go. You know, and if there's not this lighthouse that's shining on the coast showing the captain where the coastline is, then some bad things are going to happen, right? That ship is, you know, prone to wander towards the shoreline, and imminent destruction is waiting if there's not a light. And so John's saying, listen, Jesus is the light. And later he's going to say, Jesus is the light of the world. Well, Jesus is going to say that, and John's going to write down his words, right? Look at Genesis 1 just for a moment with me. I can get there. All right. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And pay attention here. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. It's the first thing he does. First thing he says, let there be light. 
And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And then later in that same chapter, he's going to talk about, again, separating the light from the darkness. And that the light is good. And so we understand that darkness is generally associated with evil, right? You know, all these horror films that we see, um, often they use darkness in some pretty gripping ways to get you to be afraid, right? Um, So if you just look at the cover of a DVD of a horror movie, most likely it's going to be significantly dark. The picture is not going to be bright and fluffy, right? Um, There's going to be darkness there because they're portraying something uh, that's evil and frightening. And so... The Bible identifies God with light and good with light and evil with dark, darkness. And so John says Jesus is the light. And I can't find John 1 now. That's not good. <laughs> okay, here we go. So we read that in the very first chapter of the Bible that John pointed us to, there's this light and darkness thing happening, right? And then all throughout John's gospel, you're going to see the same clash. You're going to see Jesus identifying himself as the light of the world. And then the Bible is going to end in a similar way. So Revelation 22. says in verse 3, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. So Jesus is the light of the world. And life is in him. He literally lights things up so that men can know the way in which they should walk. And so John is saying about his best friend Jesus, he's the eternal reason and purpose for all things as the ultimate revelation of God, the creator, to bring victorious life in the sense that darkness will not overcome it, to men living in a dark world. So just as we conclude here, um, me and Brittany got to spend some time with uh, some really amazing believers this week. We were at the seminary, and the seminary hosted this conference uh, to train pastors, ministers, uh, counselors. How do we counsel people who are wrestling with sexual brokenness? especially things like homosexuality and transgender issues. Um, I know y'all have probably seen things on television pushing these things. Um, and, you know, with the redefinition of marriage by five justices on our Supreme Court in the recent months, um, these are significant issues. And so they had a conference saying, okay, ha- now how do we deal with these? Um, and... I think John 1 has something to say here. Because 
And this doesn't just apply to sexual brokenness, but to the brokenness that we all find in our lives. And so it's not just for this issue, but this is an example. Um, so let's take transgenderism. So transgender, people who wrestle with this sort of issue, they want a different gender identity because they really believe that the fullness of life is, is going to be mine if I can just change physically who I am to match who I feel like. And so if I can just have a surgery, then I'll be fine and I'll experience a full life filled with meaning, filled with purpose, and filled with joy. And John's saying, listen, meaning and fullness and the reason for life is not found in changing something physically about who you are. See, meaning and fullness in life is found by looking at the one who created life. At the one who is the purpose for life. And so John's saying, will you look at my best friend? Because he's got something to offer you. And I promise you it's better. And with that, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how you've revealed yourself through your son Jesus, the word of God. I just ask that you would help us to continue to look to Jesus, to not look at ourselves, to not try to fix our problems and our brokenness by looking to ourselves or to anyone else, but to look to the creator and sustainer of life, the eternal purpose for all things, the very revelation of who you are, Jesus, your son, in whose name we pray, amen.